Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of the game. 10, 10, 10. I'm going to insert some uh, Ty Dillinger music there to start us off, but I am joined by a very special guest. As always, Brad Clear from After the Final Whistle. Thank you for having me. Always. It's now like the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> Basically, the, the game has turned into <laughs> the Did After you? the Final Whistle feature <laughs> So it's, it's funny, though. I always enjoy doing these. It's always special when we do do these podcasts. Agreed. Yeah. So let's get down, as I look at my notes, to the nitty-gritty here. And we're not going to delve too much into Crown Jewel. I think what's been said like already doesn't need to be repeated. Absolutely. But I do want to talk about a few things. And we'll talk about Shane McMahon <laughs> winning the World Cup. What do you think about that? Um, so like I, I guess the first thing is, in the sense of it sets up Survivor Series because... How, how so? Well, because you saw Baron Corbin was angry that Shane put himself in and the Raw guy didn't win, the SmackDown guy won. And beforehand, Shane had said whoever made the finals from SmackDown, if they had lost, they would have been fired. So you had the whole SmackDown versus Raw what thing there. What if he fired himself? Just hypothetical. That well, would have been funny. Yeah, but logic. You yeah, know. you know. Um, But I basically looked at it as like... On the one hand, yes, you know, simply it sets up Survivor Series. Shane leads Team SmackDown against Team Raw, whatever. But it was so stupid. Like, just... They had <laughs> it this was inter- absolutely ridiculously it, dumb. It was so dumb just to have this entire tournament set up and then just, you know, cool dad Shane just comes in. He's like, oh, I'm here, guys. And now he, and he just steps in and wins. And not only that, he beats Dolph Ziggler, who was the Intercontinental Champion a Rip few months Dolph. ago. Just the tag team champion. I know, I know you're two a and big, half minutes. I know you're a big Dolph Ziggler guy, too. So I want to ask how you felt about... Dolph being the one eating the pin. Well, I mean, um, I don't think... I think it's better than having Seth. Well, I don't think it matters. Or La- to, what if he pinned Lashley? Well, that would never would have That would have been awesome. <laughs> well, I think, well, basically, it, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, Shane's a babyface, you have to pin a heel, and Dolph was the only beatable heel on the Raw side. Um, two and a half minutes was like, it kind of... It, it, the whole thing was so dumb. I yeah, understand yeah. where it's going, but it was just so stupid. I, I think it could have been set up better, too, because you had, like, great people in it. You had Mysterio. You had Angle. You had The Miz, and I could list off everybody. But what I am shocked about the most is just, like, number one, how short the matches were. They were they were sprint house show matches. Well, you had to, because they had to fit in 11 matches yeah. with, what, four others? They usually have hours. 11 matches, don't but they? No, but there were four other matches also. Oh, had, so combined. Oh, com- yeah. oh, no, no, no. Combined, the show had like 11 or 12 matches. So yeah. so normal WWE pay-per-view, but at the same time, you got to give more time to bigger feuds, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Universal Championship, which we'll get to, which was actually three minutes long. But um, I, I guess with like Shane, I loved it and all, but like we were talking about our picks. We were like, oh, Mysterio, oh, Angle, Rollins, whoever else. And I thought it was kind of interesting, too, like that the little wrinkle of it, the SmackDown guy lost it would have been like interesting to see who that would have been but i thought miz was gonna lose i was really when it got to the point where it was miz versus ziggler i was like really i was watching it i'm like huh yeah i knew something screwy was gonna happen very strange and and they they, and then when shane when shane came out 
my initial thought when Shane came out, because Shane had said the thing about whoever lost would be fired, I thought Shane was going to do something to cost Miz the match in order to get him off of SmackDown. Which that wouldn't was my happen, th- though. I know, but that was just my... Mania. Well, that was just my first thought, because yeah. like Shane was there, so something was going to happen. <laughs> you didn't you think know? he'd get in the ring and fucking wrestle. That's the thing. Um, they, they sold me up until the match, because, like... Funny thing, I didn't actually watch that match. Like, I was working on a paper or something, Mm -hmm. so I actually turned it off for a little bit. And then I just go to Twitter, and I see everyone freaking the fuck out. Shane McMahon won. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, typical just just hate. But um, that showed up great in logic, just the waveform right there. Again, though, (laughs) but again, the execution and the actual carrying out of what happened was stupid and dumb. But at the same time, you still have to acknowledge that it creates a path. It's never going to be brought up again. No, the no, trophy no, no, itself. No, 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 no. It sets up a path to where they want to go towards Survivor Series. Um, and maybe Shane parades around to Rossing like, "Hey, I'm the commissioner, and I'm the best in the world. SmackDown's oh, better than Raw." This is the time Ra- of year that they start invading yes, the shows. It's Survivor Series is in yeah. like two weeks. That's exactly what this is, is setting it in up. Two weeks. Yeah, in like two weeks. Oh two weeks God. from Sunday. So the the 18th, that's when Survivor Series is. Yeah, two weeks from tomorrow. Jesus, I, I guess it's a good way to build up some of your feuds, though. But like. Brock and AJ, obviously you can rely on like your championship matches all being, you know, champion versus champion, and mm. then you have the five on five and then maybe the tag titles. Well you'll have their... What are they gonna do for the tag titles? Well Shield versus Bar? Well no, but well, no. What cause... always happens is, you know, you have all those champion versus champion matches, then you have the five on five men's, the five on five women's. Yep. They've done the five on five with five tag teams in the last two years. I don't know I love it. I, I don't know if Raw has enough depth to do that this year. Who would you do it with? Well, exactly if, like the revival. You have, to, you have to think of it as do you really think that Dean and Seth will still be champions by then? No. Do you think it'll be a- if it's AOP by then? Do you like who? AOP. I'm kidding. <laughs> like who are your five? Like give me five raw tag teams. There, it's what? Let the me revi- see the revival, revival. AOP. It's well, no. If AOP's the champion, you only five teams from Raw: are Revival, Gable and Rude, The Ascension, Slater and Rhino. Wait, wait, wait. There's one more. I think. I'm trying to think. Ascent- Revival. Game I know we're thinking out loud, and that's Slater, like podcast one hundred and one not Ascension. to do. But there, there's one more. The no, B, B team and the B team. Yeah, but, the B but, team. But the point is, is <laughs> the four comedy teams and one team who's you know like. And then SmackDown, you have the New Day. You have New Day, Uso, Sanity, Gallows. Oh and Anderson. my God, Sanity! I forgot about New them. New Day, Uso, Gallows, and Anderson, Sanity. And what a shame. Anyways, the fifth team would be the bar. Probably. So there's not yeah. even five teams outside of the bar. So so that's a that's a good talking point to talk about. We didn't really think about it. I know this isn't a Survivor Series fantasy booking or anything, but now that I obviously Seth and Dean obviously feuding, they're going to feud over the title for a while. Mm-hmm. Um like how how would you get the titles off of them? The tag titles? Yeah. Um cuz like, that was the only part when when Dean turned, I thought it was amazing. And notice how I was just like huh. And notice how in the last 2 weeks and Crown Jewel on Raw Seth, Seth hasn't on, had the Seth title. Seth only had the IC title yep. with him. And Dean isn't wearing them either. Well, yeah. So yeah. maybe... It'd be funny if they did. I have no idea how. I mean, they're going to end up on AOP. I, there's no other team. I love would, AOP, Well, too. there's no other team who would, could no. end up on. Um, I think it would be cool if like they did something where like um, it got ordered that Seth and Dean had to face AOP and Dean didn't just come out, so Seth was by yes, himself. Yes, and Dean just like maybe watches from like the shield sure, position. Yeah, or whatever it is. You like, have the gorilla position and then you have the shield position on the entrance of the back right of the arena. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, you know, either way, you know, Seth's like by himself <laughs> against AOP. Yeah. Whatever it is, AOP's going to end up with the tag titles, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that moves on to another like kind of state of a championship in oh, WWE. We're going to get to this. I miss Roman Reigns. 
so oh, much. Oh, I dearly no, miss him. Everyone, everyone who complained about him should be just eating shit right yeah, now. Yeah, I think they are too. I think it's a, a classic case of you don't know what you have until it's gone. Exactly. And, you know, I, I hated the people who shamed like publicly on like Twitter or whatever, shamed people who hated Roman. And some people deserved it because they were like, I didn't like Roman as champion, but I wish him the best. Because like that, the way you, I, you have to separate the character from the, the way, person. In the that way case. I always saw it with Roman Reigns was you don't have to like him. Underappreciated. You don't have to like him. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't acknowledge or realize that he was His talent. the second best guy in the whole company behind AJ, then you had your blinders on. And now I think Agreed. people are starting to realize the people who are in denial about it are starting to realize, oh, wait, this guy was really, really And, good. oh, wait, Raw is going to suck for the next few months. Uh-huh. And that gets us to Brock Lesnar winning the Universal Championship. What the fuck is going on? All right, so here, just like here, let's just say this is what's happening here. So Raw loses its top star, the top guy in the entire company. And how does it get addressed? Not only do they lose the top star, they take away the top championship also. And in doing so, they did it in a way in which the guy who would logically take the step up to that Roman and spot. And how are you going to know how good Braun is if you don't give him a chance? I we know that, how good, or quote-unquote good, Brock Lesnar is. We know what he's capable of. But you shit on Braun in that match. Braun, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a total mark here, but he he didn't like put up any much of a fight well, regard- at all. I don't. I, regardless of if how the match went, I would have been fine with the total just New Japan sprint. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, there's no, there was no way that would have been fine that did not involve Brock or excuse me, Braun winning. No, the title. I'm saying Braun would have won if that was the match situation. Like you know, he survives four F fives or whatever, and he just comes back like you know, just Braun not taking any of the shit and just demolishes Lesnar with one move. That would have been fine, but that is not what happened. I will say this. And this is, I guess, like a longer point, so hear me out. Let, let's do it. Um, we're, so, only, we're only nine minutes in. We got this. So you look at someone like Braun, and he's had, what, four, five, six universal he's title matches. He's had five matches. matches, and he lost all He's of them. gotten beaten by Brock, uh, Brock before. He got clowned by Brock at SummerSlam. Oh. He got clowned by Brock this time. Hell in a Cell, he got clowned. Well, that well, that was he that was cool. No, but he wasn't wrestling Brock. Is my point. Gotcha. The point here is that you can. What is it going to take at, to give Bra or to give? I keep getting Brock and Braun. I can't say right to give Braun that title and that chance at the top. Maybe they see him as like the special attraction type who they. Don't He's want the to, Undertaker. N- not even that. Like maybe like the Andre. Like when Hulk Hogan was around, Andre was never the champion. No. So he was the Andre to Roman's Hogan where they never wanted him to be the champion per se. But I think this larger point that I'm getting to is in putting the title immediately back on Brock after Roman goes out, there are only two guys in this entire company that they have the faith in to be the top guy. You talked to me about this too, and I agree. So go ahead, say it. The only two guys in this entire company that are full-time performers that they trust to be a top guy champion to carry a brand are Roman Reigns and AJ Styles. This Which isn't, is fine. This is indicative of how those are your top two guys, and they see Seth, Dean, and Braun, as great as they are, as the supporting main event guys. Yeah. And it's, it's your lead actor in the supporting role. Sure. But I think putting the title back on Brock, and even if you don't see those other guys who are on Raw as a brand carrier top guy, yeah. you're not even giving them the chance that's, to yeah, show that. That's sad. That's sad. Yeah. You're not like... 
the best part about the like I, I like the ruthless aggression era or even like the attitude era was that you had a good rotation of guys. On SmackDown in two thousand and three, you had Brock, you had the SmackDown Angle, six Brock, Angle, Eddie, Ray, Edge, Benoit, Cena. Those were the top seven. Yeah, that's incredible. That was like every day. I didn't watch WWE until like two years later, mm-hmm. but I go back and I watch those matches, and I'm just stunned and amazed at the amount of quality and diverse matchups and that like they gave us. And even then, like Chavo was good back Chavo. then. He was always in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and then on Raw, obviously you had Triple H, and I love Triple H. But I'll even take outside later. of him, there was outside, yeah Batista. You had you had Randy Orton as world champion, which was awesome. You had Benoit when he came over and won. Booker and I'm T, not I'm not Rob trying to yeah. before anyone if anyone listens to this and gets mad. I'm not glorifying Benoit as a person. It's he just to a, make a point. He was a fantastic wrestler, and mm-hmm. in that in that situation, he you could put him on any show with any guy, and he made a great match. That mm-hmm. was the thing when he faced Brock for the WWE title in 03, It was amazing. But that that's the point. You could put Brock with anybody back then. You could put Triple H with anybody. They did fucking Booker T at WrestleMania. And, and as much of a shit show that main event was or whatever, it's still, you had a good not, rotation. And it's not even about that you could have them feud with those guys. It was you had multiple guys who appeared to be seen. They were in, the shit. No, not, not, not even that, because they're all awesome. The guys yeah. now are still awesome. Yep. It's the point that you could see then there was a greater confidence in putting guys on the shows in higher roles. For example, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar. John Cena, but JBL. They JBL! So, all these guys. The on, Big Show was champion yes, then, too. The point is, is there's a lot of guys who are, they were confident in enough to give long show-carrying title reigns and to make the guy on the show for a period of time. We have not seen, since the draft, beside AJ Styles, and for a few brief months, Jinder Mahal, and as we see now, that is not sustained. No. There has not been anyone who they've been confident enough Randy to Orton. put on that top spot on SmackDown. No, but he's never been like Here's the main the thing, guy. They, they had the chance with Bray Wyatt. I think. I'm a big Bray Wyatt guy. Mm. They had the chance to... Because when he won, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, but let's look at how Bray Wyatt's whole career has gone. Has has there been any indication with how his win-loss record is? No. That they've seen him as that top-carrying guy? No. No, there isn't. He could have been Undertaker. He could have been someone else. But he's he's not. They don't see him as that. Exactly. The point is, it's not... That's the problem. It's not what they are. Again, you have two guys who are seen as being the show carrier. One is injured now, so their default was Vince's security blanket here. That's, that's the term. Brock Lesnar is the security blanket. When things go wrong, you're in a tough pickle, they go to Brock. And I think it's a very poor default tactic because it should be a full-time guy to give them the chance to sink or swim. I agree. And how are you going to do that with Braun? How are you going to do that with Seth or Dean? You know, say Roman's off battling cancer for a year or two. You're not going to have Brock carry that. You could have had Rollins and Ambrose be well, your main event. Well, I mean, well, Rollins and Ambrose is – well, the thing with Rollins and Ambrose is this. They have their own feud away from that title, and that provides depth to the show. And regardless of who the Universal Champion was or would be, that would be the top feud of the show. Agreed. And still with Brock Lesnar. It, um, it's going to be, because Brock's not going to fucking show up. No, no, no. no. That's, that's, well, I mean, it's true, but that's not the point I was getting at. The point I was getting at is, he's going to wrestle AJ at Survivor Series. He's going to be the champion until WrestleMania. Ugh. He's going to end up having that Universal title match at WrestleMania. It's not like he's going to hold the title forever. Cause you it's still not going to main event. That's not the point, though. The point I is, I think there is one guy who they kind of see on Raw as maybe eventually becoming the show-carrying top guy type. Lay it I think on that me. guy is Drew McIntyre. Yes. I'm so down for that. Because, like, you would think maybe, oh, Braun lost because Corbin screwed him. Maybe he'll get another match. And maybe that's the way it goes. But from how he's been presented since he's gotten to the main roster, I think Drew is going to be the next, like— Drew's taking down everybody except ex- for Brock. 
Exactly. And like Braun, like Braun could beat him again, but Braun's been beaten how many times by Brock Lesnar? Four. Been clowned four by Brock Lesnar how many times? Four know? or five. Exactly. Exactly. So <sighs> they put it in a situation where as great as Braun is, he's obviously seen as the special attraction type who's not the yeah. champion. They see Brock at a level above him, which is kind of slotted Braun as like a tier below the top, top guy. Here's how I see it with Braun. Yeah. It's it's back when Stone Cold was the champion and he feuded with Undertaker. Okay. Undertaker was the spooky bad guy who was really tough and really cool. But, yeah, I know, he was he was there to make Austin look better because ta- that's not a bad thing either. It's it like Taker was there to elevate Austin and vice versa because Taker had the experience. Taker had the title reign. That's what Braun was to Roman. That, that but Braun needs that title reign. I 100% agree. Braun needs that. I think this happens a lot in other promotions too. You can never Ring of Honor. <clears throat> no, I was going to say I was going to say New Japan oh, that at this too. point. Oh, that too. Yeah. You when you have someone who's monstrously consistently popular and I don't to use the term over. Yeah. You can't take for granted that period of time that you have that cuz if you kind of take it for granted and stretch it too long, it goes away. I look at New Japan Tetsuya Naito for this point. I love Naito. Um, we'll get know, to Naito as well. The point is, is that he's wildly popular, and they haven't so far taken advantage of that. And that popularity may be gone by the time that they want to. With yeah. Braun, he's still wildly popular. But let's just look at his last few months. He wins the Money in the Bank contract. Mm-hmm. He goes to cash in. Brock Lu- screws him. Brock screws him and clowns him. Then the Shield comes back. Then he turns heel and aligns with two guys. Then Roman goes out. He turns face again. He gets clowned by Brock again. Here's the thing, too. I was really hesitant when Braun turned back babyface like a few weeks ago or whatever because I was like, okay, because remember when Braun was a babyface? People right, loved him. Right, right before he turned and even mm-hmm. when he turned, yeah. they all loved Braun. They all loved Braun. And now you take that away because he's been a heel for two or three months now or whatever. It wasn't even two or three months. It's been two months. But um, then you turn him babyface again. My thing was, all right, is, is the crowd going to love him as much? And the answer was yes. But you didn't know that. No, yeah. you didn't know that beforehand. But now, now we saw that the crowd reaction to Braun s- sustained, and even in fucking you know, gone to their head Saudi Arabia, everybody there don't dismember and murder me, please. But that's side little political note. But even in Saudi Arabia, you had those motherfuckers going Braun, and now you squash all of it. A I, lot I, of it. Well, he's still going to be wildly popular. Yeah, but he could have been the guy. In this oh, situation. 100%. He should have been. I think we're both in agreement on that. We're doing um, hypotheticals, but that's and okay. And now, I guess moving forward, I mean, obviously, it's he's set up now after big banter, Baron Corbin hit him with the title before I'm the here match. for that, though. The, I mean, obviously, it's set up for that. But I just think it's a missed opportunity. And I think going back to the Brock security blanket, 100% was the wrong move and is indicative as a whole. And you see this with how WrestleMania is headlined by part-timers. You see how big shows rely on part-timers. The current generation of guys... I, and this is something you could have been saying for the last four or five years. Yeah. You need to rely on those guys and let them sink or swim. And yep. Brock Lesnar winning the title here is another example of them not doing that. Yeah, it's a shame, too, which, with, with how talented the roster was. Think about if Ron was tra- champion who he could feud against. McIntyre, Corbin, even Ziggler or Finn Balor. All those guys, that's giving Bobby them the Lashley. spotlight. That is giving them the spotlight right there. But instead, as you mentioned, they're going to the security blanket. They're 
just cruising with Brock. They're not going to have a main title. The WWE title match is going to main event. It's, it's not going to main event no, feuds. No, you've lost the main title and you've lost the main guy. The show is completely depleted. Yeah, you got you got to think about who it affects more than just Raw as well. You got to think about how it's going to affect the WWE title. You got to think about how it's going to affect people on SmackDown who could have had that opportunity on Raw or something. But either way, that's all gone now because Brock is there. And you can only have like let's say that the Intercontinental title is tied up with Seth and Dean. You have this entire, you know, not the IC title is the number one title on well, Raw. The point is, though, is you have that involved with Seth and Dean. Your top feud has your main title, your only singles title. You know how there's only so much you can do with everyone else. For real, exactly. Because how much? Okay, Finn Balor and Lashley can wrestle each other a bunch of times. Elias, nothing's can wrestle, at stake. Elias can wrestle Jinder Mahal a bunch of times. Nothing is at stake. There's only so much you can do. Exactly. Where does the story go? Exactly. Like Dean and Seth might suffer from the fact that there's nothing at stake eh, I after I disagree I disagree that feud is going to be red hot it's going to be disagree. amazing but I'm just saying like this has a ripple effect oh yeah 100% and I just pulled that example out of my ass but because I love both men Dean's one of my favorites in the company Seth is mm. amazing and never has a bad match with anyone ever and the word another bad thing in before we move on to next yeah game, yeah yeah we could just um, we're, we're just letting it all out right now um it was said today by Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer of course. Newsletter Radio, or News Radio, whatever the term is, um, Wrestling Observer Radio, that's what it is, um, that Lesnar has two appearances to wrestle on his contract, one being Survivor Series. And then Mania. So logically, you draw the conclusion, he's going to wrestle on Survivor Series, and he's not going to wrestle again to WrestleMania. Which and is in April. Yep. I just don't, I think, regardless if it was Brock Lesnar or someone else, a part-time champion should not ever exist because you can't have a functioning show without a top title. Regardless, And of we saw that with else. Raw for the past year and a half. Yeah, it severely damaged the and show. I, yeah, I hate, I hate to call it like A and B show, but SmackDown is more of an A show than Raw. Yeah, because you have, you have, exactly, you have the top title, there's more depth, exactly. SmackDown, since the brand split, has been the top show. I agree, 100%. At points, obviously, I think when it was like Roman's year of building up, Raw was somewhat interesting. But and SmackDown had its dips. I'm not blaming that on gender or anybody, but it was just you know it was fine. Like it wasn't you, as good as the it AJ was. and Kevin Owens feud didn't go as expected. No, the I don't summer think. of 2017 was Raw no, got back was, up. The summer of 2017 SmackDown was not nearly as good as it was in the fall of 2016. It was still better than Raw. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. And that's the sad part. Like there's no standard. That, and that's what you lose when you don't have a full-time champion on one and show. And then you look at that, you know, essentially... Or just merge the shows again. Fuck. And essentially, outside of Roman holding the title for this short period of time, you'll have had a part-time champion for this top title on Raw for essentially two years. Assuming he holds it to WrestleMania. Almost three. That would be well, almost no, three. Because he won it at 33... Thirty-four. Gonna, no, he, he won was it, champion. He won it thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. Then thirty-four, he was champion. And held thirty-five, it. he's gonna come into it as champion. Yeah, that's the point. I was gonna say. Sorry. It's <laughs> yes. I'm just infuriated. <laughs> yes, it, it's a very poor situation. I think, and it also kind of devalues the championship a bit if it's not around. Yeah. Like, if it conveniently becomes a talking point around big shows and is never mentioned otherwise, who like, cares? How much prestige does it hold? You know? Exactly. And and it also hurts the WWE title's prestige, because you're not, and this isn't me trying to be like, I'll book it better. No, I understand but what you're saying. You're you're not making it any better by, you know, making your feud on Raw, or headlining it as great as Seth and Dean are. Like, or or I think Ronda, I mean, Ronda or Becky should be main eventing every show after this. It'll probably be Seth, Dean, and Ronda, I would assume. 
or I think I really think Becky should well, be the it's, main event. Well, Becky and Ronda. Well, that's. I think that would be the main event. Well, Survivor Series. I think it should be. Well, it doesn't matter what it should or shouldn't be. It's not. It's. But either way, we shouldn't even be having this fucking discussion because of Brock. No, you're right. You're right. And I think there's a before we move on. I think there is a curse with the Universal Championship. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, Finn getting injured. No one except for Brock Lesnar. (laughs) No, there is a curse with Brock Lesnar. He's never there, and now nobody gives a shit about the belt. When Finn had it, it was great. It was one day. It was awesome. It was the start of something new. Q High School Musical, and then. Then he had Kevin Owens, who did his fucking best. Can we agree on that? Kevin Owens did his fucking best, and it was amazing, but Raw at that time just was going through a transition of, you know, not having, you know, AJ or Cena or Randy or whatever. Well, and that, the Raw it was for that, great. Raw for that time, was it was four months of Roman and Seth versus Jericho and Owens. Essentially, yes. And The List, which was awesome. The List was awesome. Jericho made that show watchable. Yeah, and without KO, Jericho, that show would have been pretty poor. Because that was when, like, Everyone was like, oh, God, when are they going to put the title on Roman? Are they going to do it already? Kevin Owens, uh. And it was just paranoia on Raw. And that was the thing. And now you have Brock, who's gone for 470-something days or whatever. 500? I don't even know. He was gone for over a year and a half. And that hurt the show a fuck ton. And Roman was amazing. And obviously, this is out of anybody's hands. But Roman had leukemia. Obviously, he has leukemia. And he had to vacate the title. And that sucks now. Because now you have it right into the laps of shitty not long-term booking with Brock and it's just cursed. It's cursed. Uh, I, I, there's nothing I can say. You're right. Pretty much. Yeah. Guys get hurt. They get no rematches and Brock holds it hostage. That's pretty much it. But, um, yeah, so we're going to call this podcast. We're not even remotely done, which is awesome. Cause I love how we can just go off of each other and stay on one subject mm-hmm, for 25 mm-hmm, minutes. Mm-hmm. But, um, we're going to call this the state of wrestling. That is the, the podcast. And AJ, I love AJ, so we're going to talk about AJ Styles a little bit before we get into other outside wrestling kind of topics. I mean, mm-hmm. outside WWE topics. Mm-hmm. This is a whole wrestling podcast. I don't care. I love it. But um, so AJ is about to hit a year-long reign as champion on November 7th. This podcast will be up tonight, probably Saturday or Sunday. But um, on a more positive note, what has been your favorite AJ Styles WWE title match? Oh, of there's his reign? so many. Of his second reign. Of this specific reign? Because the first one I could tell you, John, John Cena. John Cena, the Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah. Yep. All right, um, yeah, but um, <laughs> second. Uh, all right, so I would say that the Shinsuke Nakamura matches were pretty underwhelming. I would say... I loved their Money in the Bank match. I would, that's, that's probably my favorite. What I was going to say was... Actually, no, 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 no. You, you say yours. I have a different one. What I was going to say was the feud and matches were pretty underwhelming. However, that Money in the Bank match, the last match that they had against each other, and that last... It was the last man standing match, right? Yeah. That match, I thought, was kind of what everyone had been hoping for with him and Nakamura to that point um, and did not get. So I think for they had me... to change the styles and stuff. You well, know. whatever it was... They had to adapt it. The WrestleMania match was a disappointment. The second match at Gray's Royal Rumble was a disappointment. Yeah. The Money in the Bank match... Was solid. Was awesome. I think for me, at least initially, that's the match that probably stands out to me the most from this reign. I really loved the Rusev match at Extreme Rules. That was a great match. Yep. It was great, and while it was quick, it was great. I, it I was a pretty it. long match. It sh- that's that's a good thing WWE did. They pushed Rusev. It's yeah, awesome. They, yeah. And Rusev showed that he could hang. And I love Rusev. He got a great match out of Nakamura. It was short, but it was great at Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. But my favorite match has been Samoa Joe at SummerSlam. I think that's fair. Storyline, wrestling ability. Because the match was... 
it wasn't a fast paced match. It was a twenty minute match still. Mm-hmm. But the the basically my favorite points from that match were Joe just beating the hell out of AJ. He busted him like open the hard way, yep. which never happens. Mm-hmm. And the story throughout it, like and Joe's shit talking leading up to it got up, before yeah. the before the match. Wendy, daddy, I said, daddy's coming home. He's not coming home, but I'll be your new daddy. And then AJ snapping because we never see that side of AJ style. No, we don't. And that's one thing that as babyface AJ, mm-hmm. as heel AJ, mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. him as like the pit bull who attacks people and yep. shit. But as babyface AJ Styles, he's as, you know, white meat babyface as you come, but he's awesome. And that seeing that side of AJ, that protected side that we rarely see of him as a babyface made that match so much better. And after that, I was like, okay, now what, WWE? I, again, the I think with that match, it was good. I think the story around it made it, I guess if we're looking at it in the sense of it made it great. story versus pure match, I think the story surrounding it was the best story that there's been in AJ's second reign as champion. Or AJ's reigns total. No, the story with Cena was better. Um, I I I, and, I understand. And I'm biased. I thought the Dean and Ellsworth one was much was great. Also, I just enjoyed that it. TLC match was actually great. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. that's his first reign. Second first... reign. So you're gonna go with Nakamura at Money in the Bank. I'm gonna go with a, a SummerSlam. But um, do you prefer a, a follow up question as well? I'm coming up with these on the fly, but that's I love fine. this. That's fine. I love this subject. We both love AJ Styles. He's probably top three all time for me with Triple H and Jericho. We talked about that today too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um. Do you prefer heel champion or face champion AJ Styles? Uh, I baby face because I, yeah, I, think I think that's a common when answer. When you go when you see him live, right? Yeah. I think what Which it, I haven't sadly. What I think you see is the allure in AJ Styles is that you know, and I've gone to I go to shows often with someone who's not even a wrestling fan, right? When you watch AJ Styles, you regardless of if you're a wrestling fan or not, you realize just how immensely talented he is. Oh so God. I think what happens with AJ is People sort of respect him for how good he is, and in turn, they admire him for it. So I think babyface, because people don't want to boo him. They want to cheer him because they recognize how good he is, and they respect his greatness. Yeah, when he was a heel, we saw a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. I think with heel AJ, it was great because, like, I don't know. You know AJ Styles is just a good guy overall, just by telling. And, you know, family man, Christian boy, you know. Just a southern boy, whatever. And uh, that was a pretty good AJ Styles impression. I'd not say. bad, not bad. But um, you know me, I'm a man of a million impressions. But um, I guess with heel AJ, it was great because like you never see that switch. You you kind of saw some Bullet Club esque AJ in WWE, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like his tendencies of just like having a smug, mm-hmm. smug, but, like smug. I'm gonna. I know I'm better than you, but I'm still gonna take the cheap win. I that look, was awesome about AJ. I still look heel. at it as though, and I think this is my philosophy with um, guys as a whole. Um, if you're someone who the crowd is generally inclined to want to cheer for, and if you're a heel rather than booing you, they rather no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. Not I even think that. Like that. No, 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 no. The point is, I think the perfect example of what I'm going to say here is like someone like a Shinsuke Nakamura, where if you're someone yeah. who the crowd or like Braun when he was here for the last two months, if you're someone who the crowd really, really likes. And they're really behind you, and they want to cheer for you. You don't want to see them be a heel, regardless of how good they are at it, because people don't have any desire to boo those people. So for me, someone if it's AJ, if it's Braun, if it's Nakamura, if it's Sami Zayn, if it's Johnny Gargano, Rusev, Rusev, these are guys that people want to cheer. And for me, I would always rather cheer those people also. So in their heel and babyface incarnations, 
I'll always prefer the baby face. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I was going to say AJ baby face as well. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of playing some devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you ever listened to this pod. I had my friend Brian Michaels on, the one who's in a band. Yeah. Yeah. And he said almost something identical to you because he was talking about the way, like, you know, WWE does their feuds. And he said, like, you should never pair someone who, you should never book a heel who's, like, you should never book someone who's being cheered like a baby face as a heel. Uh, like, like in the same light that you were talking about. Like, if you I don't really think- want to cheer them, like Gargano is a heel. I'm, you know, I like it, but I'm very hesitant on. Yeah, because like, the crowd's not going to buy it. Like for that's my, the, that's what he's trying to for get. For my at. perfect example is like my perfect example of that point is Shinsuke Nakamura, where you know when he turned heel, and I think you were someone who said this also, like, oh, he's so good, I'm so excited for it, which is like a valid point because he's very good. Oh yeah, we were watching WrestleMania, I, and I told you that I never yeah. had any desire to boo him when he comes out now. People sing the tune of his song, even and if then, the rap and then, and then once it stops, they just get apathetic. No one wants to boo Fair. him. So I think that's probably the most, I guess, um, explicit representation of my point on that stance. I'm so excited for Rollins and Nakamura, though. That's gonna be awesome. It's the first G- time ever. Given the time, if 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 they're it, given the correct they time, will. They will. and either way, I think those are two men who can tear it up no matter how much time they're given. And no it's always what. cool, regardless of how good guys are, when it's a first time ever match. Yeah, like l- that. Like literally first time ever. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. This has an AJ John Cena feel. I would agree. I think in terms of hype, not not build, obviously, whatever. But you know, like first time you ever get to see these guys squared off. Like I've been waiting to see AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, which was awesome in WWE. In WWE, right, but it yeah. was it, it. This is different. You, you know, know what? I guess for me at the, at this point. Um, you know what the one match for me is at this point? That Let's has... get some dream matches in here. Yeah, in this podcast. Well, content, content, content. Well, there's content. so many I can think of, but <laughs> yeah. like they have a realistic chance of occurring. Yeah. Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That's never, ever happened? It, no. A- ever. It, well, in the WWE ring, no. Oh, okay. I'm talking like ever. Oh, ever, that, ever? Also, that, I think Daniel Bryan could Oh, okay. Then uh, Daniel Bryan versus Matt Riddle. Or Shawn Michaels. Well, I mean, okay. If we're, if we're taking... If we're... Well, Shawn Michaels. We're you... still talking currently, though. I still think Shawn Michaels could have a good match with Daniel Bryan. I don't know. After... We can talk about can... Shawn Michaels. Do, you, performance. do we want to seg this into a sure. Shawn Michaels performance yeah. thing? Yeah, we're, we're going by the fly. We have some notes, but that's it. Um, so, what do you think of Shawn Michaels' performance at Crown Jewel? Uh, I'll say I had two takeaways. Okay. One, he was better than I thought he would be. Yep. He moved pretty well. He could still do the moonsault and the kip up. He didn't look gassed either. No, no, no. But the second thing I noticed is. I don't know if he could wrestle a similar quality singles match to what he used to do. To uh, me, that's a high standard, dude. To me, like I, I just watched it, and like obviously he's older, so these things will happen. Fifty-three years old. But even though he still had the moonsault ability, he was moving well. He did the kip up, moved slower, a little weaker, etc. Yeah, to the you point, could tell. To the point, and you also since he wrestled a tag match style, it didn't give him the opportunity but to get gas. Sean. Work the most of that match because Triple H tore his pack. Well, yeah, but that yeah. shoot tore his pack. Yes, but at the same time, it was structured in a way where it was it was a match where Sean did not have to really go all out, and it protected Sean. Yeah. So, may, again, maybe it was because we didn't get the chance to see it at this state. But for me, I kind of looked at it as even though he still has like the skills he once had at fifty three years old, it's a little slower. It's slower, and I don't think it's. Sustainable? Oh, no, not sustainable. Because I think he could wrestle a tag match like that in his sleep. No, I, I just singles think, match. A singles match. I just don't think what we saw from him was translatable to like a fifteen. Could you see him wrestling fifteen minutes in a singles match against a fast guy like AJ Styles? No way. I could never see that. At this I point. don't know, dude. 
I'd I, love to see it. I don't know. If I, would, I think you know. he could against the right opponent. I I didn't. I don't want to see Sean versus Taker round two ever I, or round gonna, three. It's not gonna. Happen. I know because Sean said he's done. Sean literally said after the match, he said he's done. Well, I think I think <laughs> I think he got in the ring and was like, oh fuck, what did I do? Five I, million dollars. All right. I think. Well, I mean, we don't know. We don't know if Sean's gonna wrestle again. We have no idea. Now he's out of retirement. Maybe he says, you know what? I've loved coaching in NXT. I want to wrestle Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I would. And love he does that. that. I want to see Triple H versus you know, Tommaso Ciampa. Because if we look at it as like, you know, what really spurred Sean's desire to get back in the ring? It was him coaching at NXT. That's what gave him the yeah. desire to return to the ring after all these years. So maybe he's at that point where he says, hey, when they're on the main and roster, I want to wrestle. And that sweet Saudi money. Them. What's up? <laughs> the sweet Saudi money as well. <laughs> but um, um, money! As, as a whole, though, um, he was good, better than I thought he would be. But I still don't think at this stage he'd be able to wrestle a high-quality singles match. Yeah, like I might be in denial, but I just want to see it. I do. Oh, I'd love to I see I want to see AJ and Shawn Michaels so badly. Mm-hmm. I would love that. And I think AJ, AJ is one of those few performers, along with like Seth or someone, who can slow it down against a slower opponent and make, them, make it just work. Have a good match with anyone. Exactly. Yeah, and like, yeah, I think AJ is someone fluid. like AJ is someone like that. Seth. Um, Daniel Bryan is someone like yep. that. Seth Rollins, to a lesser extent, is someone like that. On the female side, I think Sasha Banks is someone like that. Yeah. So Rhonda, yeah, Rhonda do that. R- Rhonda did with Nia Jax. No, not at this. She's not. Not. It was fucking awesome. Rhonda's nowhere near that level. She's really good, but she's no. not at the level where she can have a great match with anyone. I, I think. I think you were like misinterpreting what I said because uh, I was okay. just saying like not having a great match, but being able uh, to change style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then yeah. okay. Yeah. That that was yes. my greater thing that okay. I talked about. Like, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think those are the people. Can, I think Braun is really good at that too. Oh, we're talking about being able to wrestle different styles? Yeah, like against I, different opponents. You know who I thought was the best at that? Who? Roman. Yeah. Because Roman, you want to put Roman in a big, hard-hitting brawl with Brock or Braun where they start to bleed? You could do that. You want him to wrestle a smaller, technical guy like AJ? Finn. He could do that. Or Finn, he could do that. You want him to wrestle sort of like your average, you know, kind of brawler type, Gender. but really much a standard wrestle type. Like Bobby Gender, Lashley. Like Bobby Lashley, like Kevin Owens. He could do that. Roman Reigns could wrestle anyone. Roman versus Kevin Owens from the Royal Rumble was amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah Did you ever was... watch that? It was yes, awesome. Yes, yes. The one where Braun came in and interfered and cost him the match. Yeah. What's your favorite Roman match, by the way? My favorite I've Roman never, match. I've never asked you. Mine is... my. I'll give you mine. What's yours? Mine is the Extreme Rules match against AJ Styles. I think that's the pretty safe answer. Um, the payback one was great, too. My answer is the ambulance match against Braun from Great Balls of Fire. Oh, my God. That one was amazing. But where his where match, he straight up committed murder. Yeah. He literally committed attempted After murder. After losing. <laughs> and um, I would say the matches with AJ, I think, to that point, were his best ever matches. No question. I think his match... Uh, you know what? Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. WrestleMania 31. I was about to say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, my second favorite match... I was match, like, wait a minute. My second favorite was going to be uh, Roman versus Brock at WrestleMania 31. But my number one favorite is him versus Braun. I think I think Roman Reigns made Braun Strowman. Yeah. So I would say that's giving two top guys a great opportunity to show because that was where we saw Braun, you know, get yeah, popular. Well, to that point, because he wrestled, he wrestled. He did Sami Zayn, and it was amazing. He actually wrestled the first Braun match was at the February pay per view of that year, which I want to say was Fastlane. Um, but before that, Braun had wrestled squash matches or he tag was on matches. The Survivor with the Wyatt Series family. team. He was with the Wyatts. And he wrestled Sami Zayn. That was it. And he wrestled in the Rumble. That was it. So Roman was his first like big test. Yeah, it was his feud. And they just clicked. And then when they wrestled at Great Balls of Fire, it just clicked. And they did at Fastlane too. Well, yeah, that's the one I just mentioned. Oh, yeah, Fastlane yeah. 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I would say Roman versus 
And then also you got, you got from that feud the great moment of the I'm not finished with you tipping over the ambulance. Oh my god. That's where I'm not finished with you I'm started. not finished with you yet. God, I love Braun. I remember you 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 literally like sent me a bunch of texts when that happened just ha 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 ha, ha, ha. <laughs> just maniacally laughing and I was just dying. <laughs> and we showed we showed my roommate Teddy at the time. We showed him that and he goes, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> he what beat the crap out of him. He threw the stretcher off the thing and then he Into tipped the over the wall or some shit. And then he tipped over to the ambulance, man. But I would say the Great Balls of Fire match and the ambulance match would be my number 1. My number 2, I'll get I'll give I'll give 3. My number yeah, 2 yeah, yeah. would be Oh wait, we're talking I found about a third too. We're Roman, going back to Roman matches. Roman matches. Got sidetracked there. So Roman versus Braun at Great Balls of Fire. Roman versus Brock, WrestleMania 31. I guess I'll give you four. Uh, Roman right, versus AJ, the match that you just said, Extreme Rules. Yeah. And then I don't think this is a match that a lot of people would say. But I think the match he had with Daniel Bryan, I think it was at, at Fastlane, Fastlane right yeah, before WrestleMania was 31 was a really good match. That was a really good match. Mm-hmm. They went 30 minutes and killed it. Mm-hmm. And they had everyone, you know, on the edge of their seat. But my favorite Roman moment as a whole, yeah, um, I was there I, I in December of 2015. Uh, it was the Raw right after TLC. It was in Philadelphia. Um, Where he won the title. And he won the title from Sheamus. And it was just like the because I was there, uh, ten months prior at the Royal Rumble when myself included booed the crap out of him when he won the Royal. Oh, Rumble. Oh, we talked about on the podcast about the Rumble and earlier then, this and year. And then we fast forward ten, eleven months to December, like I think it was December fourteenth of two thousand fifteen, and he won that title, and I was there too. That entire arena was cheering him, and then he won the match, and the show went off the air. And the Usos and Dean Ambrose came out and celebrated with him. Really? And then he got on the mic and he gave the speech that only the live crowd could see. About and YouTube. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I have never heard it, though. And then he gave the speech about how, like, um, it was only like a few minutes, but he talked about how, like, when he came at the Royal Rumble and the crowd rejected him, he, it sort of, like, motivated him and to come back 11 months later and win the title and be cheered. It was, like, In really, the same place? In the same building. It, it was... I, I have videos of me, like, from that event just screaming, going crazy. <laughs> I think for me, that's just one of my all-time favorite wrestling moments as a whole because I was there and it was really special. So I guess I'm biased, but that's one of my – that's probably my yeah. favorite moment ever. So, so here mine. Um, AJ Styles, Extreme Rules. Yep. Uh, WrestleMania 31. Mm-hmm. I think – gosh, I was going to say. Sheamus at TLC was amazing. That was a great match. Is that when he beat the crap out of Triple H right after? Yep, and that was amazing. The night be- and then the Triple night- H showed up in London two the, weeks the later. Night, the night before that he won the title from Sheamus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, that that TLC match was amazing. And then, um, fuck, I had it. Oh, Kevin Owens at Royal Rumble. Those are my five. Those are like my four favorite Roman matches Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. And my favorite moment post WrestleMania 33. This is my yard now. Promo of the year. Promo of his career. Oh my god, I remember that's Roman at his best. I remember watching that as it was happening. I was like, "You motherfucker!" (laughs) Oh, I think everyone in the world was saying that. You but, retired The Undertaker but, for a year. <laughs> but then when he said the promo and dropped the mic afterwards, my hate just went to like, okay, that was – like he just owned everyone. He like killed that, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he managed to rile up 20,000 people by not saying anything mm-hmm. and then just made the building shit themselves. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah, Roman, everything but but everything in, and the best for you exactly. in your fight. I know you're not going to listen to this, but <laughs> I hope you feel it. We we love you, Roman. We miss you dearly. But let's talk about uh, some New Japan Ring of Honor as well. We've been talking about this a lot off 
off the mics. But the elite, obviously, their contracts expiring on January first, at least for the young bucks. Um, what what do you think is going to happen? This is something we've talked about for a couple of days, and so. I know it's it's old for me, but it'll be new for the listeners. So, so I'm gonna let you have your moment. All right, so stepping away from the mic. <laughs> Okay, so I think what they will do and what they should do are two very different things. If we talk about what they should do, I would say at this point in time, their value will never be higher. And as such, they should go to the WWE because it will be the point in which they could get the greatest amount of money from the WWE. With that being said, I think that what they're going to do is I think that they're going to sign a deal where they wrestle in New Japan as they do. And instead of being exclusive to Ring of Honor as they are now, I think that they'll either freelance in the United States, North America, or they will um, start their own. Oh, my stomach's growling. And they'll, Is that you? Yeah, my stomach's growling. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, Or they'll start their own promotion with Jericho and Jim Ross funded by the Jaguars owner. I think that, well, that's the rumor that's been around, and I think there's credence to it. Because Dave Meltzer has not directly talked about it. And as we know, he's a bit co-opted by that group of people. So I don't think there's any, regardless of what they're going to do, because we can speculate it for, speculate on it forever. I don't think there's any way that they stay exclusive to Ring of Honor in North America. I think they stay with New Japan. I don't think they go to WWE, even though they should. And whether it's freelancing and doing Ring of Honor, Impact, anywhere, or doing that new promotion that may or may not be occurring... I think that's what's going to end up happening rather than what should. We're back here on the game. Episode 10, 10, 10, doing the hand signals and everything. Brad and I had some business to attend. So, you know, typical college student stuff. My grandma called me. I have to answer that. But (laughs) we were talking about the elite and where they're going to be. I know it was like a minute for you guys. It was like 20 for us here. But we talked about Hangman Page. Should go to NXT. Yes. Um... In terms of everyone else, I think that the Young Bucks are next to go out of anyone in the Elite. Wait, so you think that they're going to go at... I don't think there's any chance that they don't If they go, go to WWE, I don't think they're all going at the same time. So you think that this pack they have to stick together, you don't think it's going to... You don't think that they're going to end up sticking together? You don't think that pack is going to end up sticking for the long term? No. You don't think so? I don't think so, because like... I don't know. It's like what should and what could happen. I think like I think we're. I think that's more of a what should. Happen I think Kenny's what. staying in New Japan no matter what. I agree because Kenny's in a different boat than all of until them. he's not champion. Well, even still, I think let's let's look at Young Bucks, Cody, Kenny, and Adam Page. Okay, they're Ring of Honor exclusive North American wrestlers who go to Japan <laughs> occasionally, right? Because the business deal. Yep. Kenny Omega. Is a Japanese wrestler who lives in Japan, who lives in... He's Canadian, okay. He's from Winnipeg. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot! <laughs> who is... He lives and breathes Japanese wrestling. He has worked in DDT. He has lived and worked in Japan his whole career. Oh, yeah. So he's in a different... He's fluent Japanese. He is in a different boat as far as just him as a performer in his career than all of the other guys. So I think, at least for me, you know, I know they're doing this whole sticking together packed thing. Yeah. But I just find it hard to believe that he'd want to leave. Obviously, he still has the Kota Bushi thing, which hasn't happened yet. And he just loves Japan so much that even though I think out of all the singles wrestlers, he'd be the easiest to quickly have success in the WWE, I don't see his desire being super great to go to WWE at the current point. Yeah, that's fair. That's why I think they would go at separate times. I think the Bucks would go next year. I think it kind of... 
I personally, well, I don't think they're going to go diff- I think they're all going to stick together because I think that pack is legitimate. But at the same time, I don't think it's the best course of action for all of them as individuals. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, yeah. Adam Page should go to NXT. Kenny should stay. The Young Bucks should go. And Cody should stay. But they're all going to go together, together or not at all. Yeah, and that that's like the rock and the hard place that they're stuck between a little bit. I mean, for for them at least, not not for us. I mean, we oh, don't no, care. It's not our lives. We we don't <laughs> care. Yeah, and they'll make money no matter what. I mm-hmm. think. I think you know we talked about like all the other members of the elite. We didn't talk about Marty Skrull on the podcast. Marty Skrull, I think it's a good thing that he signed to Ring well, of Honor. Well, he signed for another two years. With I Ring think of that's Honor. good. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, came into the Bullet Club a little bit late. Obviously, he's been one of the funniest parts of BTE and, like, you know, one of the highlights well, of the elite themselves. But when you think about, like, all the big angles and stuff that happened with Bully Club or at least the elite, Marty wasn't the giant, you know. He wasn't always collectively a part of those angles. He was doing stuff with Osprey or, you know, um, yeah, Takahashi. Well, well, they've all had their own. Well, Hiromu, not Tanahashi. Takahashi. Yeah. I said Takahashi. I just yeah. wanted to make sure. Okay. Um. Well, I think the thing with Marty is this. As far as will it be okay within two years, I mean, the wrestling landscape is such at this point that so much can change so quickly. Think about it two years ago. It wasn't, though. Well, but it is now. I know. Just think Um, about the change. It's ridiculous. As far as I think this is what you were getting at, as far as would he be better in WWE or elsewhere, if he was in WWE... He'd be fine. He would either be in NXT UK or he'd be in that Tyler... He'd be in the Tyler Bate role of like doing NXT UK and NXT or he'd be on 205 Live. Yeah. Um, He is suited to be... A guy who wrestles as a junior in Japan and is one of the top independent non WWE wrestlers in North America. Yeah. Like, if you looked at Ring of Honor, right? And let's say the Elite does go to WWE, right? Ring of Honor is totally dependent, or even if Ring of if the Elite is no longer Ring of Honor exclusive, which we both predict will happen. Yeah. Marty Skrull, <laughs> Marty Skrull is going to be, you know, one of Ring of Honor's top two or three guys. Yeah, Ring of Marty Skrull wrestled for the Ring of Honor Championship already. You take Cody out of the picture. He's already been a TV champion as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. You take Cody out of the picture. You take the Young Bucks out of the picture. Marty Skrull and Dalton Castle and Jay Lethal are the top three guys in Ring of Honor. Yeah, and and like Marty had a brand before Bullet Club. Yeah, and I think Bullet Club Marty is just an extension of the villain. Agreed. While some people, I think we've talked about this before, some people just kind of are made by Bullet Club. Like the, their their personality or their gimmick or whatever, I think people. Tumatunga. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think people who transcend that a little bit are the young, the elite, the young bucks, Cody, Page. In as in a sense, Page was brought up by Bullet Club, but Page is just taking that and run with it. He's I, made himself so entertaining. I'll say, well, obviously, I think Page owes his popularity and his profile to being the elite. To being the elite, because without being involved in the show, he would be nowhere near as big as he is now. No. However, he is. Or has when when Adam Page joined Bullet Club a few years ago, I and many other people thought, "What are they doing with this guy?" This I is was like, guy, "Who the hell is this?" This is a guy who is a ha- is a part time high school teacher, a part time Ring of Honor guy who has a look and nothing else. I forgot he was a high school teacher. <laughs> now, now he looks the part, but not only that, he's incredibly charismatic. He's super young. He looks like a million bucks, and he's so athletic and constantly improving that we could look at this guy and saying five years from now, like Adam Page. He could be pro- WWE champion. He's the prototype for what WWE should want as a guy that they could sign into NXT, mold into a WWE style, and then put on Raw or SmackDown. Make him Finn Balor. 
Well, like, you know, in that same process. Well, they're completely different guys. No, you know what I mean. Like, the same process. Like, you know, you take this hot commodity from Japan or whatever. I, I also think that Adam Page is more moldable than Finn Balor is. I agree, because you could only do so much with Finn because yeah, all the hype and, well, and all Finn's the also, stigma he had. Yeah. And, and Finn's already, like, kind of, like, established. I think Page, as good as he is. Like, you can do anything with Page Finn. Page is still, like, kind of like a ball of clay. There's, he's not a finished product. A ball. <laughs> Sorry. He's not, he's not, like, a finished product. You know no. what I'm saying? Whereas Finn, like, was. He just had to, like, learn how, like, the whole process works. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And insert his his own flair into sure, the yeah. product. Whereas, I yeah. think, yeah, as you said, Paige can be molded by the product. I just realized you have the Marty Skrull bun on right now. That's I do. So I have funny. a top knot, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, never thought your hair would get to that point. Neither did I. But um, I don't want my hair to get to that <laughs> point. But that's side note. I think Marty Skrull's going to be all right, though. Um, to an extent. My thing is, like, I love the Young Bucks, but where do they go? Like, like well, what what do they do what they have? Well, like, I think... What haven't they done? Outside of WWE? Yeah. Nothing. Exactly. But so where do they time, go? But at the same time... They did all in. But at the same time, they have this incredibly successful, financially lucrative empire. Brand. Brand. Exactly. For the brand. They sell so much merch. They're the biggest stars in wrestling outside of WWE. Yeah. They are, as a fact. No, yeah. And there's potential to do more all-ins. There's the potential... We can talk about this now, I guess, with the promotion that may or may not be happening. And Jericho, I'm JR, taking it with a pinch of salt. I have no idea. I mean, I'll just say I give it credence and I don't totally dismiss it. Yeah. But they, in theory, like, it is plausible to say, if someone told you that the elite is going to go and start their own, own promotion, like, I would tell you in this wrestling climate with how popular they are, like, yeah. it's, it's okay. doable, it's yeah. plausible. Yeah. So they have enough clout to basically be the biggest thing in wrestling besides WWE. They make a lot of money from doing it and they have all the creative freedom in the world. So I think that's really attractive. I just think... Every year that goes by is another year that they lose value off of what they could be signed for to WWE. I agree. I agree as well. Like, you know, I think this is the hottest year that the the elite's ever been. And, you know, what the risk of doing something like starting your own promotion or freelancing is losing that steam. Yeah, you know? they might end up jumping the shark. Who knows? That's yeah. more of why I think they should They go. could be putting a lot of money into something that just doesn't reciprocate. Exactly. And I would also say that... I'm not a financially minded person, <laughs> but... Um, I would also say, too, that... Um, I think Ring of Honor seems to be like, I think what they're trying to do here with all their public comments, their weird tweets, how they've been talking about on being the elite. Our last Bullet Club shirt. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, that was just separating. I mean, they're Bullet teasing Club. all the all the people. That's fine. Yeah. I think they're trying to, I don't, I think they're trying to squeeze Ring of Honor for a lot of money at this point. But does Ring of Honor have I think, that money? I think Ring of Honor is kind of calling their bluff and telling them to get a better offer elsewhere. I think. Yeah. Because you know what the case might be? They might not. You know, they might not get another. WWE might not offer them that much money. They might even I think say especially too, with Paige. Uh, they might even say, too, that, you know, from Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor signed the Young Bucks and Cody to the biggest Ring of Honor deals ever. They basically devoted their entire promotion to them, and it didn't necessarily create, like, an uptick in business but for they've, them. But that, that's the thing. They, like, the elite, have transcended Ring of Honor. 100%. They've, they've passed Ring of Honor by. They've passed New Japan by. They are... They are, as we mentioned, the brand. Yep. And that's the thing. And that might be to the detriment of Ring of Honor because they, number one, might not be able to match that. Or number two, if they do just lock them down, what do you do with them? There's nothing they, like, what, what happened at this point is Ring of Make Honor. Cody champion again. Ring of, Honor, right. Ring of Honor just became, like, the elite show. That's really all it is. Pretty much. And then Dalton Castle and Jay Lethal. Yeah, exactly. And Jay Lethal's a staple. He doesn't need to establish himself in exactly. Ring of Honor. Exactly. He's the champion. Yep. So. Multiple time. I will say that it's tough because I think 
again, this I think this I, I like that they want to sort of be a unit and like they love each other and they really like have this strong bond together where they're gonna go together mm-hmm. wherever. But it's not in the best interest of all of them to do that. Like, let's go person by person, right? Yeah. It is in the best interest of Adam Page to, to go, go to, to NXT. NXT to become a big staple there and then to go to Raw or SmackDown. He would become a huge star. He'll be a WWE champion. Um, I don't WWE well, champion, not NXT Universal. champion, yes, without a doubt. A WWE champion, I can't say yes or no because it's just such a crowded. He'd be a roster. fantastic U.S. champion. Yes, it's just such a crowded roster. You never know. Um, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Um, well, let's save Kenny. Let's save Kenny okay. for last. Let's go Young Bucks. The leader. Young Bucks. Young Bucks should go to WWE. I Because agree. I understand the brand is They strong. should go to Monday Night Raw. Well, yes, yes. But just in general, just taking away the current state of WWE from it, like I know they have this great business empire going, but they've done everything there is to do. And the longer you wait, you risk. Like, let's put it this way. Their end goal is always going to be to go to WWE. They're going to go to WWE. As with most professional yes, wrestlers. That you're like... They're going to go to WWE at some point. You would agree, right? Yeah. So why not go when your value is going to be higher than it ever will be? Which has been our point of discussion for not only just the Young Bucks, but for the Elite as well. And I think with the Young Bucks, they're a special case as well. With them you know, busting their asses in Ring of Honor and New Japan and making themselves a brand, you might lose that steam again if you don't go to WWE. Mm -hmm. I think with Cody, he doesn't need to go back. He doesn't need to. I don't think he wants to either. Yeah, he doesn't need to. He doesn't want to. As we said, maybe 2020. That may be the time when he goes. Yeah. But um, me, me. Cody, I think Cody's going to be one of those freelance guys who shows up in TNA. Oh, sorry, Impact, now that they're sort of credible, but put on a shitty Slammiversary. Either way. Bound for glory. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Slammiversary was good. Yes. Um, But I think, I think, hold on, who's calling me? Um, never mind. But um, I think, you know, Cody can go to Impact. He can stay with Ring of Honor and make sporadic, sporadic appearances. NWA. NWA, I think he did a great job in. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he should have held the title longer, but that's okay. Nick Aldis is meh. He looks the part. I didn't I didn't like Nick Aldis when he was Magnus. I don't like Nick Aldis now. The problem with Nick Aldis is he looks the part, but that's it. He's very generic. You fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of... That was one of my favorite moments in BT when everyone was just telling Marty he was going to die. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um, anyways, uh, yeah, Paige doesn't need to go anywhere. Um... But I mean, oh, Paige. No, Cody, Cody right doesn't eat. Sorry, people blowing up my phone right now. You're fine. You're fine. I know I'm so popular. God, <laughs> he's that guy who's in a band and also does a podcast <gasps> that has like 10 followers on Twitter. And he <gasps> likes wrestling. Right? I know. I'm the coolest guy ever. Also, Brad is here. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Cody doesn't need to go anywhere. I think Cody would be great in Impact. I would love to see Cody in Impact. Yeah, and I feel like Cody's the type. Cody's you got- get Jericho and Cody in Impact. And, That's amazing. And Cody's got that like sort of like territory wrestler vibe where he shows up and he's just, he's got his dad's vibe yeah. and that's not a bad thing it's not saying he's like a shadow of his dad no. he's doing what his dad cody's did the, cody's the type of guy who shows up in a different territory per se makes a big impact goes to the next one he is the mod he is a territory wrestler through and through the and then modern we look, day modern maharaja oh. cody rhodes um and then we look at kenny um kenny staying in japan he should go to WWE, but he's staying. In well, again, I think they're going to do everything as a collective. We're saying what they should do individually. Yeah, um, we were kind of going to that I a would little say, bit. Yeah, I would say what he should do. Um, I think he should stay in New Japan until he does the Ibushi thing. Yeah, which is probably Dominion. And I think Kenny... No, I think they're going to save that for next year's Wrestle Kingdom. They do Ooh. very long term, like 2020 Wrestle Kingdom. Damn, okay. But I think as a whole with Kenny, like it doesn't matter if Kenny goes now in a year or in two years. Kenny will always have a spot in WWE if he wants it. So the urgency yeah. or the need for Kenny to go now, like, yeah, his value now as far as dollar value, 
will probably never be higher. No. But as far as having a spot, he will always have a place in WWE. They would love to have him, no matter if it's now or if it's two years from now. Yeah, and I think Kenny isn't going to lose any steam. I no, because so. Kenny is because he's himself. Kenny is New Japan's guy. He's not like them. Uh, yeah, like the Young Bucks, Cody, and Paige. Can we take a minute to like yeah. just shut down people who hate Kenny Omega or think he shouldn't have the spot in New Japan? Because he should. I agree. He should. And some people are saying, "Oh, well, he's been putting in lackluster matches since he's been champion." Uh, you act like Tanahashi or Okada never did that. Yeah, like Okada's last title run was great. But, but you know, the last year of it was bad. I, I wouldn't say it was bad, but I think every title reign that's long has its points. I'll give you. Bit. I'll give you one match. Okay. Russell Kingdom twelve. Naito. That match sucked. No, it was a good match. The it finish was, of the match. It sucked. had the wrong finish, but it was still a good match. That's the point, though. Every champion has that point. AJ Styles. You could say I don't know when he feuded too long with Nakamura, or you know, back in his first run or something. You know, New Japan. Every single wrestler goes through a point in their title reigns. Where it gets a bit lackluster or a bit like dull, yeah, and, and to the rest, all of it. because you're Kenny Omega and you have these amazing matches. You're the five star factory or whatever, but that that doesn't like you can still have a get out of jail free card. Like yes. the standard should not be the precedent for every and, match. And you also look at the story he's involved in. Like I don't think this story with Tanahashi is that great. No, he's like ah, call me the heel. I I, I thought <laughs> call that, me the heel. I thought sorry, I thought that. Um, Tanahashi was a weird choice to have him be the Wrestle Kingdom opponent for Kenny and I think it's sort of been hard for them because like what's the logical story like I'm Kenny I'm better than you I'm Tanahashi I'm better than you like that's really all you can make it but they're trying to make it into something that's a little weird and like I don't know what the dynamic for it is no like I don't understand what they're going for it seems like you know like Kenny's like I don't care like, like, what, like what are they even going for like I couldn't even tell you what they're going for with the story all I could tell you is that they're feuding they're going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, and the feud has been lackluster. Like, what yeah. is the basis of it? I don't understand what it is. I don't I don't know either, and a lot of people think, like, Kenny, Kenny just half-asses his matches now, which I don't think is the case. I think if that's the case, he's hurt or something. But, like, any, I, I saw people shitting on the match with uh, Pentagon, and I thought that was amazing. That was great. I know. I don't get why, like, some people are like, oh, Kenny's so boring, he's just himself, and he thinks he can cut no, a great because, promo. No, because people have... And you've seen this with Roman too. People have agendas and narratives that they want to fit, and and a lot of that comes from people who want Naito on top, or you know, someone who isn't a gaijin, whatever. Sure, yeah. that's fine. That's fine that they have those beliefs, but you shouldn't be cutting down other you superstars. You cannot they, cut down other performers because it's of like that. the thing with Roman. You can't let your blinders and your narratives and your perceptions or get in the way. Or any Sasha Banks fan ever. What? Or any Sasha Banks or Asuka fan ever. Asuka should be in that spot. Sasha should be rushing wrestling Trish. If you've seen those narratives go around at all. Oh, the Sasha ones. The stands. Well, the, well, the Sasha ones. Are but true. either way, it goes back uh, to your point. Sasha Banks, the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Ooh, I love it. But that's a separate point. I love it. Honestly, um, I'm not fighting that. No, she's But, great. um, yeah. But it goes back to the point where, like, people are putting on their blinders and stuff. But Kenny is going to stay in Japan. We can agree with that. Yes. He should go to WWE. I, I, I'll say this. Within the year, he should go. He should go to WWE now based on per dollar value, but he'll always have a place there if they want him. He won't get paid a million dollars in a year for to go to WWE unless he does something magnificent. Well, I, You know what I mean. Yeah, and I think you can say that for the elite as The well. longer you wait, the less money you're going to get. Uh, Yes. Or the less your prestige is. Not necessarily. It depends on how things go. But right now, as we've said... You know, if Kenny Omega has a goal of getting a million dollars from WWE, which is not going to happen anyway, but he wants to get his highest hold from WWE, he's going to get it now. Yeah. Young Bucks are going to get it now. 
Paige is different because he'd go to NXT first. Cody would get it now. Yeah. Because they obviously saw Cody. Sorry, Marty. You're they, good, though. They always saw Cody, obviously, at, at a certain point based off of when his past, how his past tenure went. Literally, but yeah. Having seen him go and become such a force outside of WWE, maybe they see value in not necessarily having. It could be Cody. like a Drew situation. No, no, not even that. It's I don't know. I don't think even if Cody came back, he'd be that more than what he was in the past. I think it would be a case of they see how impactful he has been outside of WWE, and with how much of an effort they are making to take all talent away from outside of the company. Yeah, they'd rather have him pissing in than pissing out, or I guess it would be pissing yeah, yeah. out than pissing in. Interesting. Okay. That's, a, that's a line from Paul Heyman. I had to take it. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, though, Cody has been the wrestler of the past three years who's imp- impressed me the most. I would say not even just him as a wrestler, but just everything like encompassing You know how he executive produced All In and basically financed it. How he's totally reinvented himself with the hair and with how he carries himself. He feels so much feels like, like a, big a deal. star. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a situation where he's like, he, you you made a star out of yourself. Like when, when you present yourself as a big deal and you're the shit. It was like Drew McIntyre when he left. When in Drew di- left, in different ways, they both did the when, same thing. Exactly. They both elevated themselves in their oh, performances. Yes. I think Drew and... Cody are a big reason of why wrestlers are so confident to like take the risk and not go to WWE. But I will say to counter that, even though I, I'll say this, two things to counter that. One, I think Drew genuinely did raise his stock. Obviously, he's positioned in a way where he's going to be a major player. He's going to be the come. universal champion. Yes, I don't. Fuck think, you, Brock. <laughs> I don't. Even if Cody came back, I don't think he'd be more than like a mid card champion because, again, I think the WWE sees more value in just keeping him away from other people outside of wrestling. Yeah, than he doesn't want. He doesn't there. want WWE. He doesn't want like they don't want him to hurt WWE. Exactly. So yeah. they'd rather have because he has that potential. Yes, but even if he was within there, he would. They want to subdue it. Yeah, he would never be a world champion. I I would love to see Cody. I but uh, he but it's too crowded. But to that would. counterpoint as well. Yeah. I I it's still like having Cody in WWE now versus having Cody back in 2012 or 2013. Well, he's a better performer, but I don't think they'd see him. I still a think level. I think fans would be like he's a better he's a bigger star than he was. He's kind of slut, but I think in their minds. But like, he's a bigger star. Like you know, it would be a bigger deal for him to come back. It would be a big deal. But it would be like Drew. Like holy shit, no, he's back. No, no, it would be nowhere near Drew because Drew is someone they're making the future face of the company, while Cody would be a. Carter at best because they see him and slot him at a certain spot. Like if Dolph Ziggler went elsewhere and came back in, Dolph so Ziggler, the typecasts you think for Cody are not going away, in a way. What do you mean typecasts? Like typecast him as okay, he's a mid Carter. No, I don't think they view him as anything more. I yeah. just think they view him as someone. Who and they didn't hurt. view him like that in his first round. And I think this goes to my overall point. You mentioned guys being confident not going. To I WWE. view him in that, but WWE. No, 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 no. no. Hold, yeah. on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting heated. My point of. My counterpoint that I was going to say was about you. You mentioned guys being confident and not going to WWE. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed because really? I think you look at the independence as a whole right now. You know, Ring of Honor and Impact. In I would say in in the next year and a half, either one of them will be out of business or they will have merged. I don't think they will both exist as separate entities within a year and a half. I don't think Lucha Underground will exist in a year and a half. I think. WWE has signed so many independent wrestlers and taken strongholds in so many different parts of the world and are attempting to globalize with little NXT brands all over the world. The viability of going outside of WWE for a career on the independence, if you're not the elite, I don't think has the allure that it did even six months ago. So really, yeah, I, I think that's just I think that's just a reality that's coming or at least is starting to develop. So how would you view All In then, in terms of shaping the industry as it is? Because well, we are doing the state of wrestling. 
I would say that it was a great show, but as far as like the real impact it had, yeah, I think outside of the impact it had on what the elite realized they were capable of doing, I don't really think it had an impact that great on anyone else. Because I viewed it as a celebration of indie wrestling. I think that's a very fair take. I would and agree. I think it's I think it's not a way of saying fuck you WWE. We don't need to go no, to you. No, it's a celebration. I, of yeah, like you said. and I, I think it's it's proof that like you know independent wrestling is not going to die. No, but, but it, it's yeah. still never going to be on the landscape of WWE, which can lead us into our next talking point and maybe our final one, depending on how it goes. Yeah. But I don't care for an hour into it. We talk until oh, we're I done. Don't care we either. talk until we drop. That's literally <laughs> that's literally us. Yeah. But um, WWE, nobody comes close. Well, I think we talked about this in text the other day. Yeah, and is, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. You look at WWE. WWE is a global. I know the sports entertainment term, but. They're a, a global company. It's a global entertainment, not even company. It's a brand and an entity. No one says like, hey, did you watch wrestling or do you watch wrestling? They say, do you watch WWE? Whenever someone does something that's like a wrestling move, they don't go, oh my God, that was like a New Japan move. That was a WWE move. The point or I'm WWF here is, for all the adults. WWE does not, WWE itself does not have any competitors. Like no. New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Gunner, Independence, they do not compete with WWE. NXT competes with all those promotions. I agree because they hold on, they hold events at the same scale. NXT UK competes with those promotions. NXT Germany when it gets off the ground in the next year and a half. Are they doing like South America too? Yeah, they're going to try to do Japan, China, Japan, China. China. (laughs) Anyways, Um, they're going to try to do. Basically, they're basically going to try to gain strongholds all over. Like they just signed it. Like they as they should. They have progress. You know, under their wing, they have evolve it. under their ring, their well, wing. Evolve in W. Well, the United States. ICW, shit like that. The yeah. point is, you look at the U- in the UK, ICW progress. You look in Germany, WXW. They just got under their wing. They're they probably, did. Yeah, they're sending Volta. Yeah, exactly. I he's love gonna, Volta. He's going to end up there. The point is, is that they are using NXT as a mechanism to get all this talent in and to compete with all these other promotions. Whereas WWE, nothing is on the same level or scale. And nothing is able to compete with it financially. So none of those other promotions compete with WWE. They compete with NXT. You know what a funny thing is like, and this is a side note, just how like WWE's run as well. It's it's so like baffling, like in a good way to see the differences in how NXT's produced and how WWE's produced. Not a bad thing, because both, both like, you know, both, I guess, brands of WWE have, like, their their niche and, like, their good points. It's just so, like, interesting to see how differently they're run. Well, they're... Well, it's Triple H and Vince, obviously. Well, I, it's not even that it's Triple H and Vince, because I think people don't realize, like, like, Triple H has a massive say on WWE's main product. You're feeding two different, like... You're, you know what I found out though? What, what? I found like like and this isn't hard to tell. No. Vince, Stephanie, Shane, and Triple H hold ninety six percent of all creative control in WWE. Do you mean creative control or do you mean financial stock? De- decision making. Well yeah, because Vince only owns forty percent of the company. Yeah. Sixty percent well, of the that's company. That's because they own the greatest percentage of the stock. But I'm talking decision making. Like No, 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 they don't because They do. No, no, they don't. Because no, I'll tell you. The decision making as far do you mean on the wrestling side or do you mean as a whole? Wrestling. No, Shane doesn't have any input on the wrestling side. Stephanie is in the marketing side of it. Then I might be talking about whole and I'm just getting my my What you're talking about what you're talking about is stakeholders, the people have the most stock, and it's those four Kevin Dunn, George Barrios, and Michelle Wilson. Mark Carano. Mark Carano doesn't Mark Carano doesn't hold nearly to that extent because What does he do there? He's 
Marco Carano is like the liaison between Triple H and talent for talent relations. Got it. George Barrios is the chief financial officer. He's the president, o- yeah. He's the chief financial officer. Michelle Wilson's the chief marketing And they're officer. co-presidents, aren't they? They're co-presidents. Yeah. And then there is Triple H, who's the executive vice president of Live and the C- CEO or COO. That's just a TV title. No, it's actually his title. No, no, no. It's executive. No, executive vice president of creative, creative and talent relations. That's executive what it is. This vice shows how little of lives we have. <laughs> so the point that you were making yeah. is that if you look at the total amount of shares for WWE, the greatest stakeholders are Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, Linda McMahon, Triple H, Kevin Dunn, George Barrios, and Michelle Wilson. Yeah. That's what you were saying. They hold... 96% of the power in WWE. Yeah, and then the other 4% is divided up between corporations who have bought into the company. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's really interesting to note, though, because, like, Evolution felt like a Triple H produced show, but it was Vince. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Well, you knew the concert was Triple H, because that's straight out of Oh, without a doubt. And it, and it was cool, because Evol- Evolution, and this is my greater point, mm. Evolution felt like the first time where it felt like a merged show between Vince and Triple H. You know, but here's the thing with that. I think people act as though like NXT is the only way that Triple H looks at TV. It's not. Triple H has a massive say in WWE's product. The point is, is they're two completely different products that are catering to two completely different demographics. And competing with different people. Like, for example. As we said. Well, WWE's competing with no one. You know what I meant. The point is, just let me get into this point here. WWE, you are appealing to a global audience of old people, middle-aged adults, and kids. Right? You're trying to feed everyone. You're trying and the teenager here and there, and young adults well, the like point, us. Well, the point is, is that you're trying. Just let me get this point out here. You're trying to uh, cater to so many different people and trying to make everyone happy. And in doing so, you have more sponsors involved. You have more people with a vested interest in it. You're catering to USA Network sponsors. You're catering to your own sponsors. NXT is your own. You're catering it to one specific niche, minute demographic. And the sponsors and people you have to appeal to is so much lower. So I think Triple H just realizes with NXT, he runs it a certain way because he's catering to a certain group of people. Whereas in WWE, he he does things a different way because he's catering to a different group of people. But as yeah. far as your point of a merge between Vince and Triple H... Production style. I would say it's a merge, rather than Vince and Triple H, a merge of NXT in the main roster. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yes. In terms of pr- production value or style 100%. As well. And it's really interesting to see that evolution as well. I think like, it's a great it's show. It's a literal evolution as well. Mm-hmm. Evolution was fantastic. It was a fantastic show. The energy from the crowd, literally... The crowd was so hot. That is... That is such a beam of light in the industry and you know as as much as it did for women's wrestling as well and you know like as as much as WWE as much as WWE calls it like PR and like all that like the PR like this is hope and stuff it literally is it that evolution was the epitome of that in the best way possible yeah like I think evolution was amazing I know people like to focus on how they do this whole PR thing here and there I think evolution and you look at like Stephanie isms Oh, Stephanie's like a corporate robot. She is. But like, I, I remember watching one show where Naomi was SmackDown Women's Champion, right? And there was a little girl wearing like a, a glow Naomi shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like freaking out so excited. And like, that's what it's all about. You know, it's all about like catering to these young girls and having these women now be their role models so they can be the next generation of these women. That's exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah, without a doubt. And you can't lose sight of that. No. And WWE's untouchable. Think like you know as as like a company WWE is untouchable. Obviously, you have NXT competing with like you know other indie. Yeah, I, I like NXT, but indie wrestling still thrives. 
Which, uh, is the, which is the biggest point? It thrives to an extent. To an, obviously, it has a ceiling. To an extent, I and guess. the ceiling is WWE. Uh, for for indie wrestling, no, no, no. I think the ceiling is however aggressive WWE wants to get in signing talent dictates the ceiling of. Indie That's what wrestling. I meant. For, WWE controls the ceiling. Like for example, let's look at All In. It's right? not a bad thing either. I'm not trying to talk bad about WWE. Let's look at All In. Yeah. If WWE wanted to, they could have signed. Every single they can sign every single performer who on performed that. on All In. If they wanted to, they could. I for one would. They've love already to. signed people since then. They I signed Diana Prazo, Chelsea Green, and they signed Diana Prazo. They signed Chelsea Green. You're right. I for one would. Oh, love Diana Prazo was on the show. My bad. I for one would love to see Pentagon Junior in WWE. Well, there was the rumors a few months ago of him and Phoenix coming, but that's not happening. I would love that. I I feel like to I, NXT. Okay, yes, because. Phoenix Pentagon and NXT would be freaking amazing. I'll say to that, like, because Pentagon and NXT, like, NXT, you don't even have to, all you have to do in NXT is just... You mean the deathmatch guy from TNA? <laughs> all you have to do with NXT is just plop a really popular indie guy in there, and you're fine. I, yeah. Pentagon would not work on the main roster. No. Phoenix, Phoenix would. The Pentagon would. Phoenix would be great on 2FI Live. Phoenix would be great anywhere in the world, I think. I he's love awesome. Phoenix. Yeah, he's just great. Yeah. I think... I think Brian Cage would be cool to see in WWE. Brian Page never could though, because he would never pass a Brian Cage. The Brian Cage. Yeah, yeah. You said Brian Page. Oh, Brian Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, because he does roids. Yeah, he would never pass a wellness policy. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but like, I think so do the elite. But that's okay. (laughs) You know, you can really see Kenny's Kenny's muscles and and his cycles. Well, in the (laughs) and Cody, Cody took roids. Well, in Drew McIntyre took roids. Jinder took roids. Cena takes roids. Triple H, I'm pretty sure, still takes roids. Right. Taker and Kane are the only ones where you're like, okay, they're just letting their body do their thing. And Jericho. Jericho's just fat. All right. Well, <laughs> well all right. Let's move off of this point here. I want to get back to what you said, though, about Triple H and his style and all that. Yeah. I think people have this idea that, like, they're, they're like, oh, when Triple H takes over, all this is going to happen. People don't realize the presentation of NXT, like the main roster is not going to be presented the same way as NXT. No. Even like when Triple H comes into power. No. Like, it's not going to happen. And I think people act as though it's going to. It's not. Yeah, I hate that people are like, I can't wait till Vince retires or dies. Because that's just not the way things are going to get run. That's Exactly. Like Either two people are going to take over the company or two sets of people. Vince and Stephanie, I mean Triple H and Stephanie or Kevin Dunn. Shane's not. Shane's no, fine Shane, with what he does. No, Shane signed as a performer. Exactly. Yeah. He's not even on, on the staff. No, no. He just owns shares because he's Vince and Linda's son. Yeah. And and it's going to be Triple H and Stephanie or it, Kevin Dunn. I want it to be Triple well, H. Well, what's going to happen, though... Because I heard is, Kevin Dunn's a shitty person. Well, well, what's, what's going to happen, though, is that Triple H and Stephanie are going to end up being in the top two spots, and George Barrios and Michelle Wilson will have more of a role on the business side. Yeah, as um, they should. Kevin Dunn will be in the same spot. But regardless, the point is, is that... It is not realistic to say that the main roster is going to be presented exactly like NXT when Triple H takes over because it's not the same product. No. You're not catering to the same people. And you have to take into account the performers that are there too. It's a com- yeah, it's a completely different group of performers. It's a different environment without a NXT doubt. is an indie promotion and it is created and ran as such. I thought she was going to walk by and tell us to be quiet because <laughs> we're being loud. We're in the editing suites. I know it's not supposed to yeah, be like, recorded. but Like NXT, all you have to do is run it like a glorified PWG, right? Yeah. And the main roster, you, you have to... No take, slander on PWG. No, I love PWG. And they just moved out of Rosita. Or Rosita? Yeah. Rosita, Florida. Or yeah. California. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is, is that... Rosita, Florida. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Geography. The point is, though, is that 
you have so many mouths to feed on the main roster. You have so many more talent. You have so many more people that are focusing on it. You have USA Network involved. Triple H is going to run it differently, sure, because that's how management works. Not everyone has the same management style, but it's largely going to be similar to what it is now, which is fine because WWE's product right now, regardless of what people want to say, is excellent. Yeah, it's great. I think if anything changes on any of the shows, it's going to be SmackDown moving to Fox. Yeah. Fox and- is going to have more input on what, w- on, the, on what they do in terms of format. Not product, but format. We could see a lot more analysis. I think we could see Talking Smack come back and be on FS1, which would be awesome. I think that's very possible. We, we'll see people like Colin Coward, sadly, Colin Coward. Well, we'll, the- see, we'll see Undisputed and, you know, like all that shit well, you're gonna start see- talking about WWE What you're going to see is you're going to see WWE talent appearing on the Fox Sunday pregame Which show. is going to be awesome. You're going you're gonna to have the New Day. On the Fox NFL I mean, we already have Roman Reigns on ESPN, which is awesome. Yeah. But it's going to be a lot more regular. Yeah, because the Fox is going to have a vested financial interest in maximizing... And input. Well, yeah. The point is, though, is I think that gets a little overblown. That's just because like people aren't saying that about USA Network. USA Network's never done that. I no, and they're owned a, by NBC Universal. That's a bit overblown. But the point is is that to maximize the deal and to maximize the amount of money you are paying to WWE for the rights to broadcast their SmackDown show on Fridays... Yeah. You are going to use WWE talent on across all of your different platforms, and you're going to want to gain the maximum exposure for WWE to get the maximum ratings and all that for the product on Friday nights. Which so, is going to be awesome. Yeah, like, do you think they'll keep it live? Yes. Yeah, I think it'll have. To, it's what it's going to do is it's going to change things logistically, like, and it might change the house show process. That's what I was going to say. Like, for example, like let's say you have SmackDown on Friday, you'd probably do the TV first, and then they do a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Live event. And then gives them a little bit of rest. Well, it's the same amount of shows per week. It just turns into, instead of Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and the TV is the first and the house shows are next. I mean, they may do it differently, but just logically, I think that's just what pops They're going to keep it live, though, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they should. Fox paid for a live show, yeah. Oh, they did. I didn't know that that was in the deal like that. But I think SmackDown's going to be amazing. SmackDown might turn into the actual A show because they'll be on Fox. And like, because you know, USA is just owned by NBC. It would be different if Monday Night Raw went to NBC. Oh my God! Or ESPN yes. or something. And it's not like it's it's not like uh, SmackDown's on FS1. It's on Fox. Yeah, like, it's yeah, it's not Fox. On, it is literally right up there with the Simpsons, Family Guy. You know, Twenty Four, which was on. I love Twenty Four. It was that that was on Fox, right? Yes. Yeah, but like that that's the thing. You have NBC, you have CBS, you have ABC, which is owned by Disney, and then, and then Fox. you have Fox. And SmackDown is going to be on Fox. Exactly. And and it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be We might really... start getting pay-per-view re-airs on FS1. We might start getting maybe NXT we if might... that ever happens. I don't think NXT will ever be on there. But 205 like, Live could be on FS1. What I was going to say is I think if we're looking to fill FS1 with WWE content, NXT is never going to be off the network. Talking Smack. I think Talking Smack. 205 Live. <laughs> I think 205 Live, <laughs> like superstars. Main event, like stuff like that. Talking Smack. I Yes, I want you, Talking Smack what too. What would be awesome is having Talking Smack ho- hosted by... This is where I think Colin Cowherd would be great. Talking Smack. You know, sort of scripted, but he can still have his personality. No. And he's on there with like Renee Younger no, and, no. and Wrestler. No, no. Really? No. You don't think it would be great to have a Fox Sports host? No, I think it would be good with Daniel Cormier and Renee Young. 
Ah, because Daniel Cormier might come to WWE eventually. What is he forty? Well, no, they're he's actually, old though. They're right? actually try, they've had him go to Orlando for a tryout to be an announcer because they Fox wants him to be on the announce team for SmackDown. That would be amazing. Yeah, when that and he loves WWE and he's a UFC guy, so it gives him legitimacy. I think that'd be so. After cool. he whoops Brock's ass, yeah. If he can beat um, Lewis this week, yeah, in two week, weeks' notice, two weeks, right? Yeah. Wasn't it two weeks' notice the match? Or well, something no, like Lewis, that? no, that's no, that's coming up in this month actually in November. Uh, yeah, but wasn't it? It wasn't originally like scheduled no, long term. No, it wasn't. It, they scheduled it like last month in yeah. October. Yeah, I hope he wins because I really want to see Cormier and Brock, or Cormier and Brock, or Cormier and John Jones. I want him to be the champion because Lewis is great, but I'd rather see Cormier wrestle or wrestle fight Brock. fight Brock. Yeah. I, Brock's not taking the title. Into the octagon. No, people act. He like, would laugh. They would laugh at no, him. No, it's not. Even, I don't know if they would or wouldn't, but like people acted like he would when he showed up to uh, face off a of Cormier a few months ago. He didn't bring it in the summer. He didn't bring it. He was the champion. Then. He's not going to bring it. He's not going to bring. It. He has no reason to bring it. You know, people like it's, even though UFC's picking up some WWE isms. No, but, UFC promotion wise and how they build up their fights, it's totally become a glorified. And then WWE. the Khabib and McGregor thing, the fact that they didn't suspend them for, you know, a year. We talked about that on one on one. That reeks of WWE. Well, and also they make them the most money, so why would they take them away? That's what I said. Yeah. That was my argument. Why would you spend two of your biggest straws? No, exactly. Because you have McGregor who's the mouthpiece, and then you have Khabib who's McGregor a literal is, killer. McGregor much. is UFC. Like UFC Now that Ronda's gone, yeah. Yeah, and like UFC has like lost value from its peak from a few years ago when it got sold to uh, IMG for four billion dollars. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's not that same company as it was then. Like without Conor McGregor, like UFC's still big, but UFC is a totally pay per view driven business model. Without Conor McGregor, like is it really that big? I don't no. know. The state of combat sports. <laughs> but I think that's a good stopping point for yeah. now. We pretty much covered everything we wanted to. As always, this will be up on podcasts.com. I want a sponsor really bad. I just want someone. Give me money to do this. Give Brad money and yes. after the final whistle on WSOEs on Monday nights, right? Or is it Fridays now? Saturdays. Saturdays. From, or no, no, no. Oh, geez, I can't even remember. Fridays from 5 to 7. Fridays from 5 to 7 on WSOE 89.3 or tune in the app. Go to WSOE's website. You can find Brad's show. Talks about literally anything and everything. That was the state of WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Progress, Evolve, NXT UK, NXT, and even some UFC. So thank you guys so much for joining me here on the game. Thank you, Brad, for joining me. Thank you for as having me. Well, always welcome. Always have great times. And this is probably one of the podcast longest podcasts I've ever done, an hour and 25. We are clocking in at. But until next time, goodbye and good night.